how did you meet? How did you get the Morning Forty Federation together? Well, he he was in a band called Attack uh, Attack Family. Yeah, Attack Family. And what was that about? That was some rock stuff influenced by the blues explosion. I I moved down from Missouri. From Missouri. And I actually brought some of my band members with me to from Missouri. Where in Missouri? Warrensburg, Missouri. Wow, okay. Which is where uh, CMSU was. But I met my friend, Pete. He got me to move down here because um, I met him my, my summer year. I met this guy who became a good friend of mine. And I was living in Missouri, and he was living down here, and I could come and visit him from Mardi Gras, and I enjoyed Mardi Gras. So, how old were you then? When I graduated, I said, "Let's." I'm gonna move down to, to New Orleans. Hmm. I was. I don't know how old are you when you're in college. College. You were like 23 when you moved down here. 22. Yeah, something like that. Hmm. And it was like, and 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 you, and you moved down here with the bandmates. And how did how come they didn't stick it out? Well, Johnny Fiola is still here. Hmm. Were you writing songs with that? Were you writing songs with that band? Yeah. And um, what was what was the drive? How did you start writing songs? Well, I lived in a fraternity. I was in a fraternity in, in Missouri, in Columbia, Missouri, at MU, where I went to college. I ended up moving down here because. Um, I guess I just experienced it, and then I loved it, and so I just kept coming back. And then finally, when I actually when I was a junior, but I, I after my junior year of college, I, I talked to my parents and said, "I don't, I'm, I'm going to quit going to the university. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I don't want to." And my and my my parents, you know, they said, "Okay, I we understand. You're going to move to New Orleans. It's fine." And then they called me the next day and they said, if you move to New Orleans without getting your degree, we are going to disown you and we will not ever... And then they laid the shit on me heavy. And, and it moved me, so I got so I ended up staying for another year and getting my degree in history. The University of uh, Missouri? Mm-hmm. In Columbia? Yeah. Been there? Yeah. I lived there for five years. My my little brother lives there now. Not a bad place. It's a, it is a really nice place. Yeah, I mean, might move there. You'd go back there? No. Hmm. But <coughs> in my mind, I might move there. In reality, no. Just staying here. No. <laughs> if okay. I was gonna move somewhere, I'd probably move to. Uh, to the northwest. Why? My wife is from there. Oh. Yeah. And uh, her, she grew up on Bay Ridge Island. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, beautiful. And her mom is still living there, and her dad too. And we go up there every summer for a couple weeks, and it's really nice. Is there a relationship between where you came from and the music that you sing and play? Not geographically, I, but. Uh, I think hereditary-wise, because my, my grandfather that, that I don't know, 
Never knew because he died when my dad was 14. Yeah. You know that my, my grandfather's, my grandfather used to hang out with Urban Berlin. Really? Yes. Okay. So when my, when my grandmother met, explode. when my grandmother I, I, met, my grandfather, she met Urban Berlin with my grandfather at the same time because it was during World War II in Italy. And my grandfather, who I'd never met because he died when my dad was 14, was the head of the officers club in Italy. Hmm. So he was a soldier, but he was an entertainer soldier. And he knew Irving Berlin really well. And when my grandmother was with the Red Cross, uh -huh. and so and she was in charge of the Red Cross entertainment part. Wow. Okay. It, and so my grandfather met her with Irving Berlin when they were discussing... You know, the entertainment, like, where are the shows going to be? And, and it, it's weird, because it, it does make me think sometimes that, you know, I write, so I, I can write songs and stuff, but I think it, it's, it's, in the, it's in my DNA. Yeah, well, that's pretty intense. I mean, that means you had a, a background. The idea of a songwriter is pretty amazing, you know. So, um, and, and that was in Europe. I didn't even know Irving Berlin. I don't really know Irving Berlin's history, so that's interesting. That you're, you know. I don't really either. I know that he wrote White Christmas, though. He did. The Jews wrote all the good um, Christmas songs. Well, it's a good thing you're and Jewish, then. We, we owe that to them. And so, from, from, and you're saying that from that you had the idea about writing songs and whatnot, that, that, it, that it came from your grandfather, and, and, and the, I, I, I sympathize with my, my grandfather also was a big... No, I don't, it didn't come from, what I'm saying is that it was, that it's, it's in my DNA to write songs. Okay. It's not that I really want to do it, but I am pretty, I'm kind of good at it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm exceptional at it, I think he's better. Or he's better too. Um, but I will go on record. I will say that uh, the Scully record that came out before the forties, the Scully record, yeah, you know, what I'm talking about, is a great record. And um, you know, I, you know, the the the, uh, the Rough Seven record, the first one. There's only one. Well, what what I'm saying is, of course, I mean. I just, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm saying that it's not. I but I never, I never tried that hard, to to write songs. Interesting. And I, that's what I'm saying. Is what I really do feel like it is something that I'm good at. It's, it's something that I can do. Which what I was which I don't feel, I don't. The feel, time. What was it about the time in your life that when you started the the rough seven that you wanted to have the girls singing? Like have like that, that kind of power, like that singing power. What was what was going on then? I I always wanted backup. I mean, you know, we just said backup singers because all the music, most of the music that I make is it would is great. I picture in my mind with having backup singers. You know, you know when it comes to you know like Aretha Franklin in the in the. Backup singer she had. Sorry, we're just listening to her. We're you know, car. That that kind of thing is what I thought the '40s always needed, 
And when we were working with Mark Bingham on the on the record that we did with him, I was just I wanted backup singers. Yeah. That's what I really wanted because I thought the forties we had all these parts that were so perfect to have like a really good, you know, kick ass, you know, back uh, black up woman harmony going on. And uh he didn't agree with that. And then, how how long have you been in New Orleans when you put the forties together? I, me? Y'all. Well, the 40s, the 40s started with a girl named Sophie, Chad Oliphant on drums, Hugel on trombone, myself as vocalist, having not picked up a saxophone yet. And... That's it, right? He wasn't oh, there. He, weren't there. he so wasn't there. He was, see, Morning 40 went on tour. We had six songs, and we felt like we were legitimate enough to tour all the way from New Orleans to the West Coast. That's mm-hmm. how gullible on six and drunk and drugged, yeah. drugged up we were. But, you, but, but he had an, a band called The Attack Family. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we booked it as a double gig, as one slot. So the 40s would do six songs, Attack Family would do like eight or ten songs. And yeah, Scully right. ended up, Scully just liked what Morning 40 was doing because I think he saw something in it. What, what year was this? This is in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. It's been 90s. Probably 94, 95. No, no, probably. Maybe. I remember Calandra playing like y'all's tape, you know, because he's like, I'm going to like get in with this band. I'm like, that was a long time. Well, see what way before that too. The forties started as the second the, the husband. Yeah, that yeah. was like like early two thousand. The husband was spending the baby food money on malt liquor, mm-hmm. and the woman was pissed off with curlers in her hair and a rolling pin in her hand, beating the husband over the head. And we would have this like really kind of really real dark baby? honeymooners episode. So, so started where off. Ralph is always wrong and Alice is always right. And Ralph is going out getting fucked up on malt liquor. So this morning. is amazing. So, so the 40s was actually built off of a narrative uh, well, it plot. Really was built originally off of Huckel and I walking past the Circle K on Dauphine and Esplanade. Yeah. Where I they know used to have well. uh, big ice barrels full of 32 ounces. Right by the door. Technically, they weren't 40s, but they were close enough for us. And one day, one morning, after drinking all night the night before, Hugel and I walked right past that store, and some guy said, Do you have 87 cents? And we speculated, since he had such a specific amount of change he needed, we speculated that he must be needing one of those malt liquors. Because he probably had... A certain amount of change, but he needed a certain amount. He knew exactly what he needed. Yeah, right. He knew he was like a white voice. He's so like, we I, started, just, I mentioned a real number, and like they're gonna fucking. Produce. Yeah, if they if they're mentioning a real number, they have a target number in mind, and they have a product that they really want to get. Huh? That was our speculation. May or may not be true, but we kept walking, and we started talking about well, what if there was like a Salvation Army type you know, bucket on chains Mm -hmm. where instead of asking for money, we would give people money 
so that they could get their malt liquor and we could start the Morning 40 Foundation. It, oh, that wow. was the original idea. But then we said, what if we started the Morning 40 Federation where it was a government-sponsored institution that forced people to drink malt liquor every morning so that they would be more compliant and question government activity less and keep them dumbed down, you know? What if there was a Morning 40 Federation that made everyone drink Malkaburi? No, he managed to suck you so into this band with this. So, so if you, yeah, well, yeah, that was it. You're going to stand outside if we're going to smoke down Yes, yeah, yes, Mr. I'll pause the interview. It's cool, but if you want to smoke, no problem, man. Are you guys don't pause the interview. Josh is rolling. Well, sure, I'll talk to Josh, but you know, you can smoke. Right. Right. But actually, just before you go smoke that, let me ask a question. That idea was appealing to you. No, what was appealing to me was when I saw them when they played, and they had taken a, a residency at the Hi Ho. And I, you know, I, I went to see them, and they had these, the way that they played, they, they were very theatrical the morning 40s before I joined them. No, I remember because they, they opened for the Klesmer All Stars. Uh, so they'd remember. have this, this part in the middle where, where, where Spental would, would do the weather. Like and he do these things, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, precipitation, chance of precipitation, forty. Uh, you know, and then you go forty percent. Forty percent, and then you go over the, and, and they keep going over the, and then the, 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 he's like, um, vis, uh, vision, zero visibility, visibility forty percent. No, no, wow. no, no visibility zero to double. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And they, they, I mean, they would roll with all this different shit. Josh doesn't even remember half of it. But I, w- I would go there and watch them. It was not just a sh- uh, you know music; it was a whole show that they would do. And Josh, w- you know, when the first time I saw them, Josh was wearing a, a wife beater, and on the on the he, he wrote with a, a sharpie on the wife beater. I ain't really all right. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't really all right. And I was like, and look, this band and they're playing these fucking songs with sax. And bass, and it was really sloppy, but really slow and grungy. But you know, he's like, I, his, I ain't really all right. Well, and I ain't really all right came from, from me a, riding my bicycle home from the bar, blacked out, drunk, swerving, and I had a, I gotten to the point where I had a micro cassette recorder on me because I knew my best material was coming from where, whenever I was blacked out. So I'd go get so drunk at the bar that I would have the potential of coming up with some kind of subconscious access into some great material. Mm-hmm. And I hit a minivan on my bicycle and just spontaneously came out, I ain't really all right, I ain't really all right. I just ran into a minivan. But they would also, in between that songs... That ended up becoming lyrics to a song. And in between songs, they also be like... So, uh, cloudy day. Drinking my life away. <laughs> I mean, in between the, 40, song, the 40 yeah. songs, the 40, when, you, when I went to see the 40s, when I wasn't in the band. When you went to see the 40s, like, yeah. that's, that's amazing to hear. Yeah, I, when I wasn't in the 40s. Well, I, I remember when, when Steve was in the 40s. Oh, that was way before. Well, actually, we went through two bass players before. Three bass players before. Sure, I remember the bass player. He's listening to the band. Now, there's a great story. It's the Morning 40 Federation. But I I, I fell in love with them so much when I watched them because I liked the theatrical part. That was great. And I I liked it. 
And I really liked also how I had been writing music where the bass line kind of went with the vocals mm -hmm. in, in a way, you know, and the 40s, for whatever it was, they would have this bass line, but Josh's vocal would go totally counter to the, to the bass line. Right, which meant you know, which which is what had depth, you know, so that you, so that the rhythm was doing one You like that style, though. I I liked that it was more complex than what I had been doing. Interesting. Why did Why did you like the complexity? Well, because it, it's more. It was more appealing to me, it, you know, orally and also just um, meant. Uh, intellectually, I guess, mm -hmm. to hear the bass line doing one thing, and then he's like, I want to get mischievous, uh, or it was just... You're thinking of Judas on it. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of a lot of different songs that you were doing where the bass line was real simple, but when the melody, the vocal melody came in, and the vocal rhythm went counter this to that. This is a big part of your sound, though, like when, when the bass so do you, and the vocal really, are doing the same thing. But this well, is... Like everybody's like on the same fucking vibe. There's a danger, of, goes, there's a danger like a of knowing too much and becoming formulaic. Okay, now let me, let me ask why. Because that's the default dominant way. I mean, everyone, even non-musicians, if you can... Uh -huh. Categorize everyone who's not a musician. Mm -hmm. They're all music experts because they've heard Led Zeppelin, they've heard the Beatles, mm -hmm. they've heard Rolling Stones, they've heard all these great songs, and they know somehow that those songs work really well. Mm -hmm. Whereas other bands that suck, that's your friend's band that you go out to see just because you're their friend, you know, usually they're going to probably suck just because you know somebody in the band and you're yeah. just going there to support them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, this, you that, know, you're not, they don't have that, that doesn't happen incredible anymore, magic man. going on. But, but the danger of, of, of prescribing to a formula based on your previous knowledge of what sounds good and also going to guitar lessons and learning your scales and learning your riffs and learning all your exercises then you're very likely to just do those, kind of go into that bag of tricks whenever you're working on a song. Oh. There's a difference between that and hearing a riff in your head and then figuring it out on your guitar, mm -hmm. well, rather than knowing a, a bag of tricks with your guitar and then just resorting to one or three. No, hold on, you're a saxophone player. Well, but still, no, I, I hunt and peck on okay. guitar when I'm working on songs. I think I know what you're trying to say. That's I'm, okay. not a, I'm not a professional guitar That's player. That's cool. I'm just I'm, the only reason I'm asking a question, I just and don't I want agree. you guys to get nervous. I'm not trying to out you, but what I'm, I'm, I'm interested because there's such a close relationship between your perceptions the way you guys see things and your experiences here and the way you sound and so I'm just trying to get down to I think like Scully reels us in Let, Scully well, Scully contains our reckless Scully contains yeah I think Scully a as a songwriter Whatever. behind the scenes wow. in the practice space okay mm -hmm. Scully is a great arranger Really? Scully can, I, I can come up with some vague riff or some vague idea and some vague vocal melody. And then Scully can piece that idea together and create a song out of it. So, it, in, in a way, I think he makes tra more traditional some wild freaked out idea that without him, 
it would be way out in left field. Mm -hmm. So he brings us more towards center, where mm -hmm. it's more digestible as a song. He, 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 and, but he also understands that we have this inclination, or at least I have this inclination, to never want to resort to the default dominant or resort to what is going to sound good because it sounds familiar. Yeah. There's this fine line between being original and being digestible. Yeah. And if you're too far out, freaked out, mm. weird, then no one would ever be able to digest it. So that freaked out weirdness has to be somehow balanced with a force of, you know, I don't want to say tradition, but in a way it is. It's like yeah, traditionalizing totally right, of freaked out ideas because tradition has so much to offer. Look at Woody Guthrie. Look at Lead Belly. Look at all these traditional musicians who have influenced us whether we want to admit it or not. We're, no, we're well, not is, living is, in a white cloud. Like even we're like music like y'all's, there is Lead Belly in there, and there is you know there's American there's, American music is in that shit. Yeah, and, like, you know, and it's like it's not even trying to be like American music, but it just you know it it is like you know field hollers and shit like that. You know it's you know whereas it's not trying to you're, you're a dance band. 